love, I love reading novels about relationships, the kind that lay out in minute detail how the characters are connected, what they like and dislike, and even their histories. The stories usually weave the lives of multiple individuals together, eventually resulting in a connection between two lost souls, and sometimes they throw in a marriage. Most people call these, in a video, you'd call it a romantic comedy. In a book, you'd call it a romance. But I firmly believe that they center on the importance of foundational relationships. Abraham sets up a similar scenario for us. With his wife, Sarah, freshly buried, he turns to concern, of course, this is what everyone does once their partner dies, to how he'll enact the promise to have his progeny be as many as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. Abraham enlists his servant to go find his son Isaac a wife in the land of his people, not among the Canaanite strangers. The number of details here, from where the woman must come, that Isaac cannot go back there, that God will send an angel, that the servant must make a promise on Abraham's thigh, you get the idea, demonstrate the power of the narrative. And that's just the beginning of the details. When the servant arrives at a well, he delineates in a prayer exactly what needs to occur in order for him to know that he's found the right woman for Isaac. He says specifically, let the maid to whom I say, please lower your jar that I may drink and who replies drink and I will also water your camels. Let her be the one you have decreed for your servant Isaac. I don't know about you, but I haven't read that or seen that in any rom-coms, but who knows? Maybe there's a market for it. The circumstances play out. Rebecca shows up, described as both beautiful and having not met a man, and graciously she draws water for both him and the camels. Worried that Rebecca is of Canaanite descent, he acquires of her lineage, and she proudly answers of where she comes. She's, a, she's from the right family. <laughs> Fear assuaged, the pair returned to her father and uncle, Betuel and Levan, foreshadowing the future of Jacob's dealing with Laban later. Come back in a few weeks, you'll hear that story. Here, the servant details the story again, just as we've heard, with some little details, but in a way that we learn about Rebecca's family and their relationships with each other. Rebecca's father and uncle clearly care about her. They want to make sure she's taken care of. So they look for the details of the nose ring and the jewelry that Rebecca's received. Her mother and brother care too. They want her to stay around, not to leave and go get married. Rebecca's father and uncle give their permission for Rebecca to leave, but then realize, and this is pretty modern, that Rebecca should have a say in where she's going. In our, in our relationship novels, this stage is prime for the hero and heroine to meet, or at least to learn of each other's presence. Finally, Rebecca's asked if she wants to go. She readily accepts, prepared in this moment, prepared in that moment to go instead of enacting the tradition of women staying in their home for another few weeks or months before they go to be married. In fact, Rashi, a medieval French commentator, shares the tidbit that when Rebecca actually says she'll go with the sermon, servant, she's challenging her family and saying she will go in spite of any resistance from them. Sound familiar in today's day and age? Our novels usually utilize this moment to show the ingenue standing up for herself, discovering her sense of self and an inner strength. 
Rebecca clearly possesses those qualities. Rebecca then travels with the servant back to Isaac and sees him in a field as they approach. Isaac lift his, lifts his eyes and sees the camel approaching. camels approaching. Rebecca lifts her eyes and promptly falls off her camel. Not the definition of a great meeting between the two, but maybe it's representing how attractive Isaac was. The commentators have a really hard time with Rebecca falling off her camel. It's just not something that someone would do when they want to meet someone, they say. So they come up with a multiplicity of answers for what transpired. She gently slid to the ground, says Rashi. She almost fell but caught herself, says another commentator. Rashbaum says she was riding like a man and she couldn't let Isaac see her like that, so had to gently move herself around so she presented herself as a woman. Another commentator simply says she inclined her head, not her whole body, in deference to Isaac. With all due respect to our commentators, why couldn't Rebecca fall off the camel? With shock or joy or excitement or, I'm sure camel, I know camels aren't so easy to ride. How few times in our life are we so excited or surprised that we do something so out of character, whether that be jump for joy, do a happy dance, or fall on our faces? Seeing Rebecca as human, I love the idea that she's excited by seeing her future husband. But then again, I'm a romantic and I'm not sure what we can say for our rabbis. This story could easily be the plot line of any rom-com on TV. But it comes from the Torah itself. Maybe this story, besides finding Isaac a wife and advancing the story forward, is meant to help us see the power of relationships in our lives, the power of the details. As the longest chapter in Genesis, the details help us understand Rebecca and her family. They help us feel connected to them as though we care about their lives. As when, at least I finish a book, I'm often loath to say goodbye to the characters. The end of this chapter makes me unwilling to turn to the next page. I want to take some time to savor Rebecca and her power and her passion. This woman with her own voice and volition. I feel connected to her. The devil's in the details, the saying goes. Now, some rabbis determine that the plethora of minutia is meant to appraise the reader of the devotion of Abraham's servant to his master. In today's day and age, it seems way more likely it's here to humanize Rebecca and make her relatable so we can see ourselves in her. We see a vulnerable young woman about to embark on a journey to meet a strange man and seemingly a journey of the rest of her life. Sounds like Abraham a few weeks ago. The details describe her lack of hesitation, although we don't necessarily hear her inner dialogue, and paint a picture of a confident young woman. Rebecca is leaving the most important relationship of her life thus far and moving into the next stage of her life. We often transition from one stage or place to the next. More than anything, those details bring us into connection with Rebecca. The descriptions we read in this chapter of Genesis help humanize Rebecca. We feel connected, and by reading the minutia of Rebecca's experience, we see ourselves. Maybe that's why those novels are so helpful. Again, we see ourselves reflected. From her story, we have the chance to mull it over, to draw out who we are and where we want to see ourselves. 
We have an opportunity to draw strength, to share in Rebecca's vulnerability and her resilience and choose to venture forth. What will you choose to do? What, were your, what will your details say about you?